Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. everyone and are we excited today this is gail davis we're going to have jay logan on shortly nicole condon and stefan vados i am so excited about today's show you have no idea i am so excited about today's show you have no idea today's show is going to bring about something that we've never seen an invention we've never seen. Even my co-host, I have surprised him. He has no idea, and I'm just so excited. I will just say flying cars. That's all I'm going to say. And it's going to be out for production within the next couple of years. All I can say is flying cars, it's for real. It's already out there. It's being seen. I just can't wait. And, um, I'm so glad you guys are with us. But without further ado, because we're running behind due to technical difficulties, we're going to bring on Jay Logan, my partner in crime. You're back. How are you, Jay? I'm doing great. And I'm back off that long international plane ride you know so well, Gail. I know. I know. But, Jay, I leave soon for Europe, so... You know, it's you know, you know how we 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 do here. We're always making a difference, and we absolutely love what we do, folks. If you think our exuberance and our enthusiasm is fake, by no means. This is Jay and I, and I'm just so glad to have my partner back. We had technical difficulties last week. This plane came a little earlier, and uh, so we apologize for the breakdown, but we are ready to rock and roll. Jay, we have Nicole Condit Duncan. I am so excited to have her on the show. She's from um, the U.S. here. She travels around the world. She is a mother. She is an entrepreneur, and she helps other entrepreneurs with businesses. I mean, I'm, I'm so excited. She has thoughts on education. She has a huge humanitarian project going on. So, Jay, we're going to bring her right on. Is that okay with you? That is wonderful. Let's do it. Okay. Hey, Nicole, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Gail? It's great to talk to you. Thank you so much. And please meet co-host Jay Logan. He's back in San Francisco from Japan. Oh, terrific, Jay. It's nice to meet you. A pleasure, Nicole. Nice to meet you also. Well, Nicole, if you're okay with it, we're going to get right into this show. Is that okay with you, Nicole? That's terrific. I'm not sure I can compete with flying cars later, but I will try and be um, a good lead-in anyway. Well, we look at you more as a good lead-in. You have so much to offer our, our, our listeners today. 
so important, you know, about education, being a mom, you know, balancing work, you know, it's so and, and your travels are like amazing. Jay, when you find out where this woman has been, it, it just completely blows your mind. Wow. So, um, Nicole, we're just going to ask that you tailor your um, answers to the questions asked because we don't want to give away all the good stuff, okay? Okay. <laughs> Too early in the show. So, Nicole, you know, I know that, you know, a mother, an entrepreneur supporting other businesses, humanitarian, supportive education, you know, I want to know where do you get the time to breathe? You know, we know you're a mother, entrepreneur, and humanitarian. Tell us how you balance all of this, please. You know, I think, Gail, I was thinking about this earlier. One of the best things anybody ever said to me is you've you've got to look at the balance game a bit like the airline safety briefing. You have to put on your own oxygen mask first. Because if you've passed out, you can't take care of anybody else. And I've really tried to pay attention to that with my children, with my career, and with all my other activities in thinking about doing the things that that feed my soul as a priority. And I go through on a regular basis and look at my life and kind of go, is this important to me? Am I doing this for, for the right reasons? Or am I just doing it because somebody's told me I should or because I didn't learn to say no? And so it it really keeps me focused on having a passion-driven life. And I think that's very important because you you can't keep yourself going and motivated if the things you're doing aren't things you're doing out of love and passion. And every time somebody said to me, well, you've made so many sacrifices in your career for your children, I think I've never made a single sacrifice because... Every choice I've made, I've made consciously because they were the right things for me, my life, and the people I care about. And I think that makes wow. it possible to, 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 to have that balance. Wow. Well, Jay, I know you have a question for Nicole. Yeah, I'd just like to say once again, it's great to meet you, Nicole. Um, it's wonderful that you're sharing on our show, and it's just an honor for us. But my question to you, Nicole, could you share with our audience what you do I'd be happy to. It's sort of a harder question to answer than it would have been. Um, 15 15 years ago, as a high-flying corporate executive, I was one of the youngest executives in a Fortune 100 company. I flew all over the world. I traveled continuously, and I decided to stop doing that and raise my children. So now I do a a, a lot of little projects, but I really try and focus on taking the expertise I learned in a, in a large corporate environment and helping people um, use, use their talents to start their businesses. And, and, help, and thinking particularly not about the, the early stage of the company around the dining room table, but thinking about how they're going to grow going forward. So, you know, I do a lot of forward business planning with people. I help them think about going into new markets, so we help people move particularly between the U.S. and Europe. Um, we look at acquisitions of people, but trying to support them in that. So it means that I do a lot of little projects, um, and I can, I can sort of nip in and out of them. And it, it, it really has worked well for me. It, it doesn't quite have the pace of, of my big corporate job, but it means I'm engaged with a lot of interesting people with great ideas 
and that are interested in what they do. So we we do a lot of a lot of a lot of almost education with people about how to grow their businesses and hopefully help give them some skills to do that. You know, um wow. I tell I tell you, you know, Jay being a parent to me being an aunt sometimes feels like being a full-time parent. You know, um it it, it it is a balance. You know, being married, you know, all of us here on the, on the line here are married and you know, going through that and managing our families and you know, doing all that. It's even though we make conscious choices, you know, it's not always easy, Nicole, as you well know, you know. And with that, with what you've just shared with Jay, I'd love to know is what areas do you see that businesses forget the basics in expansion, locally, regionally, and globally? You know, I, I think the the biggest thing I think that's, that's happened in the last ten years is the ability we all have now to work in a mobile environment and work wherever we are is is huge, and. The the difficulty is, and one of the things that I'd really like to see going forward is how to how to help support people in a more displaced workplace. Which which comes back to your question of local. You you see so many people, you know, that that work from home, but they have no way to connect with other people in their area that may have skills for them. Um, and then, you know, it ends up being isolating. And so I think there's a, there's a real effort, you know, there needs to be more effort to look at the local skill base and figure out how to better connect people and to help them then take their skills to that next level, to the national level, to the global level, so that we, we start to, we talk a lot about big data, but what we need to start talking about is, you know, skill utilization in the same way. You know, we've got data, but we're not using the people correctly behind it. And I, I think the ability to better make use of the, the human resources in the world is critical going forward. And, and it, helps, it helps us regain that sense of neighborhood and workplace and connection. And I, I, think, I think there are ways to do that. I think social media starts to do that. As you and I met that way. Um, and it's been a terrific connection. And I, I think that's a, that's a big challenge for the workplace going forward that will enable us all to have flexibility to support our families and our careers. But it also means that we need to think more consciously as, as business owners about how we're supporting our employees and, and utilizing the skills around the world that, that will help us grow our businesses. Wow. Very concise. Thank you, Nicole. Jay, your turn, my dear. Yeah. Well, I would like to know, this is kind of a global question overall. What advice fits all businesses? Is there just one type of thing you can kind of cover the whole mold? Or I would like to know what advice fits all businesses that you can share. What advice fits to all businesses? Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I guess I, I, just, I just had this conversation with somebody at lunch. I really think the thing that so many businesses around the globe have lost sight of is the need to train and develop their people. We've we've all become sort of enamored of the idea that people are going to go to college, they're going to come out with the skills they need, we're going to plop them into a job, and that's the last thing we need to do for them. And we're not serving then the employees well because their skills get stale. We're not giving them an interesting environment in which to work and want to keep learning and growing. 
but we're also not serving our, our companies well because we're not developing that talent pool. And, you know, that was one of the things that I think you saw, you know, 10 and 15 years ago, those training budgets started to go. So, you know, my biggest, my biggest thing that I'd like to see global companies doing again, I'd like to see them reinvest in training. I'd like to see them reinstate apprenticeship programs. You know, bring young people in out of high school, give them skills, give them business skills. It will create so much value for your company and, and, and create, you know, loyalty and a sense of community within your company. And, and you will get the employees that you want. You will grow your business, and they will be happy and fulfilled employees. So I, I would really, that would be the key thing I'd like to see globally happening in companies because I think it would, it would benefit both people on a humanitarian level as well as the companies on an economic level. Wow. That's all I can say is wow. You know, Nicole, um, Jay, can I sneak a, another question in here, if you don't mind, to Nicole? Oh, sure, sure. Okay, because, you know, I, I don't want you know, Nicole, we fight over our guests sometimes. <laughs> so, you know, hearing you say that, um, you know, Jay, one of the things, you know, Jay and I, we both have our respective businesses and then we have our businesses together. One thing we'd love to know that we think people in our businesses would like to know, you know, we hear from a corporate standpoint, and I know you mean it across the board, but how does this really get down to the grassroots of the small business who's really local to the business who's medium-sized, like where Jay and I may be, to the corporate level? Does it apply across the board? Because, you know, small businesses forget that they have to run their business uh, exactly like a corporate business. They forget that. Sometimes yeah, and I, th- I think because- that's an important point. I think you do have to, even if you are a, you know, if you're even if you're a small business of two people or a, you know, a medium-sized business of 20 people or a large corporation, you have to be thinking about strategically what what do I want this business to be? Where do I want it to go? Is there, you know, and as a small business owner, how big do I want it to be? Maybe I don't want to be. You know, maybe I'm happy being a $50,000 a year business. Maybe that's exactly right for me. But you still need to think through what, what's going to happen next. What happens six months down the road? What happens a year down the road? Maybe I want to move a little bit more in this direction, and I need to think through the people aspect of that. I do think what I was just saying does apply to a small business. I've had a lot of luck, um, even on short projects. I will hire teenagers I know to come in and do work for me, um, you know, very discreet pieces of work. It gives them business experience. Um, it's a big help to me. So I'll, you know, I had a research project. We were looking at a potential business opportunity. I just wanted somebody to go in and do a little bit of market research on the price comparisons out there. I hired, I hired a 16-year-old who was, wanted to think about a career in business. She came in, I told her what I wanted, and then she pulled together what I needed for me over a couple of weeks, and I've done this a number of times. Um, it works for both of us. So I think small businesses can do that. Um, it doesn't take a lot of your time. It, it does, you know, it builds good relationships. It, it, you know, that's somebody, you know, these are people that will now go off and next time they have to do a project when they get hired out of university, they'll have a little bit of a sense of what's expected for them. And so I do think a, a small business, you don't have to, an apprenticeship doesn't have to be a formal thing. A training program doesn't have to be formal. But you're, you're enabling somebody to come in and learn your skills, and you're, you're able to, to 
benefit from it as well. Wow. Um, my my uh, question that I have another one on that I stole from under Jay that we're we're, <laughs> we're fighting over here you, uh, with you a little bit. You know, um, as a mom, okay, I'm sure you have your thoughts on education, <laughs> and we talked about this. I think, what what are some of your thoughts on education? Being your travels and everything, what are some of your thoughts on education and possibly what's missing? Jay, you're going to love this. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I have to tell you, I am a real traditionalist when it comes to education. Um, I, I would really like to see schools return to, you know, old-fashioned methods of te- you know focusing on reading and writing and arithmetic because i i think that the skills people are going to need going forward are going to be about understanding the world around them being able to analyze the information that they get and being able to communicate that information and i think the ability to sit down and read a passage in a book at school and write an essay about it is going to do far more for you in how you prepare for the world than filling in little bubbles on standardized tests. Um, I also think that it makes learning interesting and engaging and more more real um, so that you, you develop a passion for learning and lifelong learning. Um, the other The other sort of piece that fits with that is I think we ought to get out of the mode of thinking of subjects as separate and distinct and go back to thinking about them holistically. I, I, you know, history and literature and social studies and geography and current events all fit together as a piece. They're telling you how your world works. And if you think about them that way and teach them that way, you're helping students understand how to approach their world. Because what, what the economy needs going forward are people who are adaptable and lifelong learners. And what makes people fulfilled as human beings is the ability to, to be a lifelong learner, to be forever learning and challenging themselves. That's where the joy in life is. And I think every time we look at our schools and say, all you're going to do is meet these testing criteria and you're going to teach these kids to fill in the bubbles, we're selling the kids short. We're not using our teaching, you know, our teacher's skills, and we are not preparing any of those children for the fast-paced world they're going to live in. But I have no opinions on this subject at all. <laughs> I, I love that. I love that answer. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Oh, yeah, wait, 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 Jay. I have to get you this one. I got to get you this time. Now, you've got two women here ganging up on you. You love the technology too. You love the technology, Mr. Logan. Yes, I do. But I know if, if you lose your your phone or you lose your computer, most people are lost, and that's terrible. Yeah, it's terrible. Well, you know, you I mean, know, I I, I, I I think if I lose my sat nav some days, I'm not sure I can still read a map. I'm I'm sure I could dig the skills out, but. <laughs> It's not going to be pretty, but I do know, you know, the, the skill I have used the most over the years 
is the fact that I was taught to write. I can sit down and write out an argument, which means I can talk somebody through my point of view, and I can I can understand their point of view, and we can have a discussion. And if you don't if you don't develop those skills, you can't develop that skill watching YouTube. It's, it's you know entertaining, <laughs> but you can't you're not you're not developing your skills if if all you're doing is is you know listening to a lecture, and then regurgitating it. You're you're not developing the skills you need to to actually be the person presenting on YouTube. And I like YouTube. Wow. I mean, it's, you know, we, we all need these entertainers in value, and we all need these tools and these gadgets, but we need to not depend on them and think that they are a panacea for all of our ills. Right. Use some brain cells sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, me, me and Gil always fight over this question, so I got this wonderful question, Nicole, for you. So this, this is my WWW question. Um, okay. I want to know... When, why, and what had had you had your sons? Re- why and what had you had your sons receive an education in London? Why are my sons having an education here? Because uh, they're getting the. Decide that and why? Oh, uh, when did we decide that? We decided that we actually had the opportunity. My husband works for British Telecom, and we had the opportunity when they were very small. They were about one and three, to move back to the UK for a couple of years, and once they started in school here, there was never any question in my mind that they were going to go back to the United States to finish their education. Um, They have every step along the way had their educational needs met. There is not a moment when their curiosity is shut down. Um, They do not fill out any standardized bubble tests. Um, they are challenged every minute of the day. And I I think that's partly, I I say to people a lot that maybe the teaching of history is the best example. My recollection of school was that when we were very small, we did the pilgrims, and then we did the revolution, and then we did the civil war, and then we started all over again and did them in more depth. And it wasn't until I was in ninth grade that we did Western Civilization as a one-year history class. I was astounded one day, probably in university, when I realized that Little House on the Prairie took place during the Industrial Revolution because nobody had ever put it in context for me. And my children's British education, being in Europe and sitting in a former colonial power, their history is longer. Their perspective is bigger. Wow. And wow. so that's why we're here, and that's why we're staying here. Wow. <laughs> you know I never and looked at it like that, Nicole. <laughs> wow. Little House well, on the know, Prairie, Industrial it, Revolution. Did anybody make that connection? <laughs> no. Wow. I mean, God, that's deep. Wow. Well, you know, and what gets me about that is, Nicole, you're going to love what we're, Jay and I are releasing shortly um, that we're going to let our audience see. You know, one of our ambassadors, student ambassador, says, you know, I love the feel of a book, okay? Oh, yeah. She's an, interna- she's an international baccalaureate student. She uses technology, but she loves the feel of a book. 
And Good that brings her. me to, you know, throwing a rock in the water, Jay, so that people can um, experience uh, the water or the, you know, the water, so to speak, of seeing water ripple. You can't instead of watching it on an iPad. But um, I'm going to keep going because we have our other guests coming on, and we've got some more questions for um, you, Nicole, really quickly. We hear you are a humanitarian, and you are planning a trip soon, okay? Would you please tell our audience about it? It, um, Jay, I'm so moved by this trip. Like I said, this is a woman extraordinaire. I don't even know how our our kids keep up with her. (laughs) Yeah, my, my kids, they're exhausting. Um, they're, they're busier than I am. My kids are busier than I am. I'm, I'm really excited about this trip. I was, I was, having, um, I was having tea, actually, in London with uh, Jacqueline Lundquist and her husband, Dick Celeste, and Dick was the U.S. ambassador to India under Clinton. And Jacqueline was telling me that she had become involved with Water Health International and started to describe this program to me. And I, I think access to clean water and safe water is going to end up being, you know, really one of the defining issues in the next 20 years. Um, it limits women's opportunities if they're spending all their time getting water. It um, is, is obviously a health concern. And as climate change happens, we are all going to feel the impact of changing water systems and a lack of water. And Jacqueline was describing what Water Health International is doing to me and how they are going into areas that don't have access to clean water. And rather than doing a pure traditional charity model where a charity comes in, they do some grant making, and they build some sort of project, whatever the humanitarian project is, in this case, clean water, and then they're done, Water Health actually has a modular system to go in and put in water purification plants And then it becomes a small business run by the local women that becomes a self-sustaining way of providing clean water to their community. And for me, that that ticks all the boxes for me. It It is something that is about helping women, helping their children, enabling their communities, and building you know, building a structure that is sustainable. And so Jacqueline's put together a trip that 17 of us will be going on, leaving on Saturday for two weeks. She's going to introduce us all the the wonders of India. We've got a little bit of sightseeing, so we're going to go see the Taj Mahal. And then on International Women's Day, we will be dedicating a new one of these water centers in Bangalore um, that's going to serve a 10-mile radius and give these, these women and children in these communities access to clean water. Wow. And I get to take pictures while I'm there. (laughs) Um, Now, my my question is kind of one of those W questions again, Nicole. Now, I know it wasn't, well, it might be the food, but I want to know, why did you choose India? You know, me and and Miguel, we love curry and all that great stuff. But that's (laughs) the real reason why you. (laughs) Well, I'm going to be honest. I've actually never had a real desire to go to India. Um, you know, there's there's so many places on my list of places I want to travel. A lot of them um, really, really, uh, I think, inspired by books I've read and history I've read. And India's never quite made it onto my list. But when Jacqueline started talking to me about 
all of the places we were going to be, you know, going to see some of these old forts, some of these old civilizations that, that connect you back through the centuries to this rich culture, um, it, it suddenly became someplace I, I just thought I had to go and had to see. And the fact that we're going to actually not just hit the tourist spot, but actually go into some of the villages and meet with the women and see the places they live so that we're not, we are tourists, but we're not just kind of seeing the, seeing the highlights and seeing the sights. That, to me, is what travel is about, and that ability to, to see inside people's lives and see how similar they are and how different they are from our own. And we're all human. We all connect on a certain level. And I think travel helps you see that, and it also makes you realize the, the value in different cultures and, you know, where, where those differences are. And it makes, you, it makes you appreciate what you have, but it also makes you understand that there are things we are missing even in our you know wealthy western lives that we can learn from so that's why india it was an opportunity and i seized it wow wonderful you know jay and i have this question for you together and then it's our last question nicole what can people especially youth learn from culture and making a difference at a young age like you have in your travels I, I think the biggest thing you can learn is 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 exactly what I was just saying about you know seeing everyone's humanity. As I've traveled with my children, I mean I've taken my children to Nepal. I've taken my children to New York. Um, we we actually did, you know Jay just came back from Japan. We went to Japan um, a couple of years ago, and the the thing that has been evident to me as they've traveled is that they are able to connect immediately with other children, even when there's a language barrier. You know, they were in Nepal. They had a they had a soccer ball. They'd start a kick around no matter where we were, and they were immediately surrounded by 10 other boys. And so I think we all think education has to be formal, that we have to, you know, we have to go think through how we're going to approach travel and what we're going to learn. And I don't think you need to do that. I think what you gain from it at a young age is this, abil- sorry, is this ability to understand that other people are just like you. They, they, you are all the same underneath the skin, underneath everything else. And so I think, you know, for, for children to have that opportunity is a great gift because they, they, can, they can really understand, too, how what they do impacts other people. Um, you know, my son's just written a geography essay talking about why, why he's 11, why we should care about less economically developed countries. And he was able to, to look at his travels and say, well, I care because there are other people, but I also care because, you know, if they're, if they're living in a polluted environment, then that means, you know, that, that impacts climate change, which impacts me that way too. And so I think that's the great thing about travel. It lets you see your world, and it lets you understand how connected we all are. Wow. Well, we thank you so much for being on, and we're running just a little bit behind with our next guest. But, you know, Nicole, while you're on your way of picking up your kids today, you might want to hear our next guest. We're so excited. A flying oh, well, car I think out it of Slovakia. Slovakia. We're putting the, the Great. Video well, I can't wait on. to hear it. 
oh, my God, it's already done. They're, they're driving the car in Slovakia, and it's already flying as high as a regular plane. I mean, it's unreal. I am so excited to have Stefan Vidal. She's going to go into things about kids and automation and robotics, what it was like for him as a young man. These things are important, and it's important Absolutely. for someone like him. So, well, I can't wait okay. to hear it, and I really appreciate you and Jay taking time to talk to me this afternoon. Well, we really yes, love the fact that you were with us. Yeah, I mean, really, you've hit on so many areas for us. So we thank you for being on as well. And, um, you know, we're going to bring our other guests on. So thank you so much for being with us Great. today. Well, thank you very much. I'll talk to you soon, Gail. Bye, Jay. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, Jay, that's amazing, and, you know, we're going to bring Stefan in two seconds. And Stefan, give us just two seconds. We know your time is limited. Um, you know, Jay, I, it just blows my mind how clear she was, you know what I mean, on everything she, oh, she was doing. A, she was a perfect guest, and she answered every question just wonderful. And it's, 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 I can't say enough. I mean, she's, and she was funny, too, at the same time, very pleasant. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Very, you know, and um, <laughs> and that part about knowing she consciously has made her choices. Yeah. You know, consciously. She did. Right. And now I want to send my daughter to London schools. Now she's got me hyped. <laughs> well, what what was it that you heard that made you want to send your daughter to the school? Well. Because just the fact that she just just that little part about the historical value of they have a deeper history, you can learn more. You know, it's not you know America. We, you know, we start with you know nineteen eighteen seventy six or whatever seventeen seventy six whatever. But if you can go back further, you have more of a uh, vision of the whole world situation and why and when and how things started and just the whole history. It just they know more. Um, the, the country started before us. So that, that's very interesting. I never looked at it like that, Gail. You know, I was like, well, because, you know, if you grew up in these schools here, all you hear is what we've done here in America. Most kids don't get a chance to know globally really what has really transpired. So that's why I would want my daughter to, to go to a, a London or, a, you know, because it, the history is there. Britannia, you know, the history of the whole world is right there. Got it. You know, all I can say is I am totally, totally, totally excited. Um, really, really excited. And um, we're going to bring on our next guest here, Jay. Um, I just want to say a few things about him. He is amazing. Um, really great guy, okay? And he is really going to go into with us a flying car, Jay. I know... I told you I wouldn't tell you until the show. Yes, a flying car, Jay. I'm serious. Yes, and it's it's on the road now. You mean it's on the road or it's in the air? Which one? It's really a flying Okay. Bring this guy. I yeah. don't believe this. i got to really talk to this guy. Wow. You know, it, it, it's, 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 I'm blown away. I'm blown so it's away. like Jetsons. It's like the Jetsons. Remember the TV program, the Jetsons? They had flying cars. We're here. So you mean we're really here now? Yeah, that's what you tell me. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yes, I'm right. And so, audience, I'm sorry to put this out here, but I, we're going to get in trouble for this. But, Jay, check your, your email because I actually did this to Jay 
not knowing anything and surprised him. So, Jen, your questions are there via email because I had to surprise him. Are you ready, Jen? Um, yeah, I'm, 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 so, Jay, I have sent you the questions for Stefan because I wanted to surprise you and everyone. We've never done this where I don't tell him the guess. So I just had to surprise him. This is a flying car. This gentleman's going to go into from Slovakia. I'm really excited about him, and he's such a great guy. So without further ado, we are going to bring on Mr. Stefan Vidas from Slovakia. Stefan, how are you? Hello, thank you for the kind introduction. It's uh, yes. really a pleasure to be on your program. I really appreciate it. And uh, uh, we really built a flying car uh, in the company called Airmobile, and you can check it out uh, on YouTube, how it flies. We have a channel well, before, there. Before, but Stefan, before we go on, we don't yeah. want you to give away all of the good stuff, so we're going to ask you questions. And we ask okay. that you answer those questions. Uh, Jay, we hear some scratching in the background. Are you okay over there? <laughs> yeah, I'm still, this, this flying car thing is driving me. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay. You sure you're okay? <laughs> I, <laughs> but, I think um, I am. I think I'm okay. So, um, Stefan, we're going to actually ask you some questions. And then Jay and I are going to ask that you answer those questions because we don't want to give our audience all of the good stuff away that you're going to share ahead of time. Is that okay with you? Yeah, perfect. Go on. Okay. <laughs> no problem. So, Stefan, you know, it, it's just, first of all, thank you for being on that show again because this is just still trying to pinch myself, you know, to believe that this is happening. So, you know, please meet co-host Jay Logan here. Jay, please meet Stefan Vidal. Hello, sir. Nice to meet you. Hello, sir. Nice to meet you, too. <laughs> so, you know, Stefan, you're with Aeromobile, a company whose innovation is now taking the world by storm. As a young man, did you ever think you would see this sort of um, just this sort of innovation happen? Do you have an interest in automation? You know, but as a young man, before we give, go to that, as a young man, did you ever think that you would see this sort of innovation happen at all? Uh, I can say that yes, because I was uh, fascinated by aviation and uh, science fiction books uh, and everything, uh, aerospace from childhood. But, you know, uh, in Slovakia uh, during the 80s, uh, during the communist era, it wasn't possible to uh, get into, into this subject very much because uh, only uh, way how to fly the vehicle or how to fly an airplane or helicopter or anything else was only by joining it, joining the military because the sky was uh, closed uh, for, uh, for the civil aviation during the 80s of, of the last century. And it was really a hard time to decide uh, whether to join a military and uh, get to, to the airplane or study something else. So I started my career uh, elsewhere, and I become a journalist later on. And now uh, I, I speak for the company who is developing an incredible 
vehicle, which is a combination of uh, full-fledged car and full-fledged uh, small airplane. So you're saying that you always had this interest in innovation and automation, even when you were younger. Yeah, yeah. I think every young uh, man or uh, woman has uh, some sort of uh, uh, some sort of interest into the new things. Uh, it's a part of uh, how you explore the world. So if you are able to to somehow preserve this. Uh, uh, child inside you, uh, you can uh, really take it uh, un- until your adulthood. Wow. Well, I know that Jay has a question for you as well. Yes, I do. Stefan, what do you think is missing in innovation with the older generation today? Are they open to the latest innovations as the younger generation is? Yeah. I, I think uh, uh, some uh, older generation uh, uh, members could be uh, could be a little bit more conservative, and they can be somehow uh, uh, somehow uh, be afraid of some some changes. But uh, you know, the the movement of the human civilization is is full of changes, and sometimes uh, we need to accept them and uh, uh, somehow uh, take them as, as uh, inevitable because uh, that's how we move forward. Wow. You, you know, we, Jay and I feel the same way, Stefan, that many times, you know, even he and I get it, we're very much into technology. And we find that many people, especially the older generation, we don't understand exactly why. But we find that the older generation is intimidated sometimes by the technology rather than, you know, uh, that's what we get into dialogue about multi-generation that they can share with each other. And, and that brings me to the next question. You know, I know you're a parent, you know, Stefan. Does your yeah. children have any interest in automation and in innovation, especially seeing for themselves you being involved with aeromobile, you know, and the flying car that they have created. Yeah, yeah. I have a son. Uh, his name is William. He's 13 years old. And he's uh, really uh, very attracted by everything uh, which is innovative. And uh, although he's, uh, he's attracted by uh, electronics. And uh, what, what fascinates me these days and uh, these years is that what, what's possible and what wasn't possible uh, before. So we have uh, drones, we have uh, 3D printing, uh, we have uh, very accessible tools for learning uh, how to program uh, machines. Although technology is uh, becoming more and more accessible to, to the younger people. So uh, I'm trying to convince my son to try everything what's uh, possible with the technology to find out uh, what would be the best uh, best uh, career path for the future, and uh, just just to describe uh, with an example of what what I'm doing with my son, uh, I was always interested in flying. So uh, just uh, last year I started uh, started or continuing uh, uh, my study for the pilot license. So. Um, uh, we are studying this uh, together, and which is uh, interesting uh, when I see my son studying uh, 
for pilot licenses, but how, how he applies uh, the theories uh, which he learns uh, at the school, uh, mainly at the physics and uh, other subjects, and how he he's able to apply them uh, really in, in practice, because you learn a lot of uh, physics uh, during uh, uh, during uh, preparation for the pilot license. So it's wow. uh, really interesting interesting uh, to see how uh, he's exploring uh, the possibilities and how he's how he's applying all the all the stuff he learns uh, at the school. Wow. Stefan, do you think this type of innovation is available enough in our country in America over here? If uh, the innovation cycle is uh, uh Faster. I didn't get the question very much. Can you repeat that, please? Yes. Do Do you think this type of innovation is available enough in schools in America? Yeah. Yeah. I, I I'm not uh, very familiar with the situation uh, at the schools in America, but uh, as far as I know, I'm I'm visiting United States pretty regularly. Uh, I know that there are programs uh, for for the school kids which uh, make uh, the technology accessible and which motivate uh, uh, youngsters to try out uh, uh, things like how to build robots uh, from, uh, from Lego or how to uh, create uh, something new. I think uh, America is still on the edge with innovation and we still have to uh, learn a lot uh, from, uh, from your country. Well, you know, that brings me to the next one, both Jay and Stefan, because, you know, I had another question, but I'm going to actually reword that question, Stefan, to ask you, do you think, you know, Europe and America, you know, innovation, you think the word innovation, and I love my country, but when you think innovation, you think Europe and Asia, to be quite frank. We're a very good marketing machine, but you do think Europe and Asia, and we have amazing inventions here. But my question to you is, what do you think, you know, watching your 13-year-old son, okay, what do you think that we can learn from each other? You know, what do you think youth in both Europe and America can learn from each other with, with regard to technology or anything else? Yeah, I think uh, there is a lot a lot of things uh, we can learn from each other, Uh, uh America is uh, the country where you always uh, had uh, this uh, fast-moving uh, 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 innovation. Uh, uh, I call it machine, but I, I cannot find better word. So uh, really, the, the the economy is uh, working towards uh, the the innovation. And in Europe, uh, you know, there there was. Uh, a lot of changes in Europe uh, during the 90s. Uh, new countries were created, and uh, I live uh, in one of those countries, and I see that uh, there are a lot of uh, people who uh, try to try try to start uh, new companies and innovate uh, from from scratch. So we uh, we started in 90s like with a blank sheet of paper, and uh, now we have uh, a lot of possibilities. Then during the 90s also, a lot of uh, foreign direct investment uh, came to our countries, which created uh, a lot of possibilities also for uh, young people to to try out uh, uh, some new things. 
I don't know if if everybody is familiar with the fact that Slovakia is uh, number one country in the uh, car production per capita, which is uh, also creating some kind of ecosystem for engineering and for uh, technical education. So some, sometimes uh, those big political changes uh, lead to uh, some uh, technological changes and changes in the environment which can uh, motivate uh, uh, motivate uh, uh, citizens or people to uh, to be attracted uh, to those new industries. Wow. Wow. Well, Jan, I know you had a question. Yes, Stefan, where would you like to see the future of technology go overall with the Internet to robotics to automation? Yeah, okay, there, there are many possible uh, scenarios. I know that there's a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, talks uh, going on around uh, the role of uh, artificial intelligence, AI, and uh, how we will uh, how we'll learn, learn AI uh, the ethical norms. It's a very important topic because uh, uh, if you look at uh, what people are posting on Facebook or social networks, uh, we, we are becoming uh, slowly to the stage where uh, all those information can be somehow uh, used to, learn, to, to teach uh, the artificial intelligence how to uh, how to react uh, on some of the uh, statuses or uh, in the future maybe create uh, some kind of uh, conscious uh, artificial conscious consciousness sorry for for wow. that uh, and uh, i i heard that uh, it would be possible to reconstruct your consci- consciousness just from the facebook uh, statuses in a uh, uh, wow. very short time then, then there is uh, also a lot of uh, questions about um, ethics and uh, artificial intelligence because uh, we will have uh, self-driving cars uh, in the future and uh, those self-driving cars will have some uh, kind of autonomous, uh, uh, autonomous capability and artificial intelligence maybe will, uh, will somehow direct them. So those cars will, will need to make some choices uh, to make uh, roads safer, and uh, there are no rules at the, at the, in the place right now for for such a such a such a uh, uh, such a situation. And then there is a lot of uh, a lot of uh, uh, development in aerospace and uh, in the industry in which I'm working right now. Uh, we are uh, very very much looking forward for the for the new uh, organization of the airspace because we have those uh, drones which are becoming uh, uh, becoming a part of our lives uh, in many areas and uh, the airspace will need to be uh, organized uh, somehow to accommodate well, all that air traffic uh, in the future. Well, Stefan, Stefan, we're going to actually ask you not to share that yet because Jay and I have a question for you on that later. If that's okay with you. Okay. We don't okay. we don't want to give all the goodies away yet. You know, um, Jay and Stefan, one of the things that really hit me about Jay's question to you just now is that, you know, um, Stefan and Jay, when I hear 
you're talking about artificial intelligence. This is where Jay and I sometimes, you know, we love we love our our relationship on on the radio because he and I get to really share our opinions, and we both love technology. But one thing, one place where I guess I stop and get concerned about is what I love about your flying car is it allows a human being to drive it. I think when we get to artificial intelligence, we can um, it almost starts to erase the human being from having something to do with life. So that's my thought. Stefan, I have a question for you. What is Aeromobile about? What what are they about? And what is the flying car about? You know, the I mean, people can actually now see the car on your website, test it on the road, on the highway, and literally, Jay, go from the highway to the open field where it takes off on a runway and is flying on the level of a plane. I mean, my question to you is like, what is this all about? And what is it like for you? I mean, we wish we were you right now, Stefan. What is it like being a part of the team? Yeah, uh, Aeromobile is uh, is uh, uh, from one side a fulfillment of uh, of dream of uh, dream of a designer Stefan Klein, who started to dream about uh, uh, the freedom. Uh, and uh, how to achieve that uh, with uh, some kind of a new object or new new kind of vehicle. So he was always f- fascinated, as, as I was, with uh, some uh, some challenges. And uh, combining a car with airplane uh, was, uh, uh, I think, more than uh, more than 90 years old challenge, uh, because. Uh, Right, right after the first airplane was uh, created, it was in 1930 or 1914, I think. Uh, just three or four years after that, uh, Glenn Curtis uh, from from United States started to think about the combination of uh, a car and airplane and created uh, Curtis Aeroplane uh, in 1917. But from that time, there were many attempts and um, uh, there were there were some uh, 17 or so attempts to create it, and uh, I think uh, Stefan Klein, uh, during the last 25 years, uh, uh, fi- find the solution how to combine those uh, two uh, different worlds. Because when you take uh, take take, you, take an airplane, it should be uh, very narrow and uh, light. And uh, when you take a car, it's usually it's pretty wide and also heavy. So these are only the very basic characteristics. But if you have to combine those, you need to find uh, find out the solution. So the solution uh, was uh, to transform uh, the object from one stage to another. And then the uh, aeromobile was born. It was uh, it was uh, 25 years in the making. And uh, a lot of uh, models were designed during the time from Aeromobile 1.0 uh, to Aeromobile 3.0, which we have as a prototype uh, today and which we fly almost every day. Wow. Well, Jay, I know you want to sneak another question in there, so just just go there. Yes, I want to sneak the, this question in there. Um, how would this affect air regulations? 
Um, <clears throat> I have more questions, but this is the main one. So, you know, with the drones. Okay. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, we, we are building uh, Aeromobile to fulfill all the, all the existing uh, uh, air regulations. So currently it is uh, built uh, to so-called light force aircraft category, uh, which means uh, that uh, you can uh, fly it uh, under so-called visual flight rules. And uh, we are completing the full airworthiness uh, certification right now. The whole team is very busy with that, and it's also an exciting time because we do a lot of uh, test flights uh, around the uh, airfield. And uh, we are building the vehicle uh, to that point that it will fulfill all the uh, air regulations needed for European Union at, at this time. And uh, then we will start with the certification for the automobile, automobile part or car part, which will take uh, a little bit longer time. But we already have uh, initial assessment uh, and uh, we are pretty happy. And also I am happy uh, that uh, there, there will be no big changes in, uh, in, in, uh, in the construction of the vehicle and overall, overall design. So, uh, we are pretty excited uh, how how uh, the work is uh, going right now. Uh, the vehicle flies uh, very well. Uh, it can be compared to any small airplane. And regarding the driving characteristics, it behaves as a normal car when the wings are folded. You know, uh, Jay, do you want to go? Because we know that Stefan doesn't have much more yeah, time. I, so I, I want to get. I, I, I know I you got had it. another question. Yes, I just wanted to say, um, what type of gas does it use, and how far can it fly, and when is when is it available to buy? <laughs> how much? Yeah, uh, it's it's hard to say when it will be available because we are in the prototype phase, and um, I I would like to fly it uh, as soon as possible. <laughs> But currently, only test pilots uh, can fly uh, the prototype because uh, we, we need to do all, all the testing. But uh, I sat on, in the vehicle and it's very comfortable. And uh, so we have a plan uh, to, to release it to the market uh, in the following two or three years. And uh, basically, every private pilot. Uh, can fly it, or holder of the private pilot license can fly it. We will need to certify it for the other market, the new EU, which might take some time. So that's why I'm not very specific with the with the years, how many years it will take. Um, there need to be need to be process uh, followed, and it it takes some time. Uh, and what, what was the first question? Because uh, I couldn't hear oh, that very well. Well, the other question was, can you put, like, regular unleaded gas in this thing, or can you just go to a regular gas station? And how far can you go? Can I go to, like, yeah. 400 meters, 500? You know, how far can I go with this car? You yeah. know. Yeah. The, the part uh, why, this, why this project is so fascinating for me is that uh, we are doing a lot of configurations, also with uh, the engines. And uh, uh, one of the engines we use, and which will be used uh, maybe in, in the final product also, 
is uh, is uh, using uh, un- unleaded fuel uh, from normal gas station. So you just uh, need to drive to your closest uh, gas station, fill it with the uh, uh, fill it with the normal gas, and then you can also drive and uh, fly with this engine we have uh, currently in the prototype. In the in the future, we plan uh, to make it uh, uh, more uh, sustainable. Uh, we have uh, plans uh, for uh, for some. Uh, combination of uh, electric and uh, uh, classical uh, fuel engine, but uh, these plants are really uh, far away right now. So uh, uh, you can you can use uh, normal uh, gas from the gas station, and uh, you can fly uh, up to 700 kilometers, which is about 350 miles, which is, by wow. the way, uh, distance... Uh, uh, for which uh, uh, so-called advanced flying automobile is uh, the, the best uh, best vehicle to to cover or to drive or fly, because uh, usually when you when you go for a trip which is uh, 300 to 40 400 miles, uh, you either use a car or combination of a car or plane. And uh, none of these alternatives you have are so uh, efficient. So if you go by car, it takes you a longer time to uh, to cover those uh, distances. And if you com- combine car and uh, plane, you uh, go to the place where you where you usually don't want to be, an airport. Go to the security checks and all that uh, uh, stuff which is needed. Uh, from safety reasons, and then you take flight, which which is the shortest part of your of your journey on such a such a small distance. So, uh, for distances up to 500 miles, uh, this could be uh, a good solution. We think. Uh, wow. Combined or multi-model vehicle. Wow. Well, you know, uh, here's my, here's our here's here's our last um, two questions. And that is, you know, one of the things. I'm sorry, Jay, I cut you off. Did you want to say something? Yeah, just real quickly. Top speed. Top the top speed of this vehicle. How is the speed? Uh, you know, we need to follow regulations. Uh, so we tested uh, uh, the vehicle on the road, uh, on the highway. Uh, uh, it was. I tried to recalculate it to the miles. So it was uh, 80 miles. Uh, per hour on, on highway and in the air, it depends on uh, on uh, wind and uh, overall situation in the air, but uh, you can uh, achieve uh, 100 miles per hour uh, in, in the air if, I, if I'm correct with the calculations, but uh, you can be much faster and faster you fly, uh, less you consume. Really, less gas you consume, Stefan? Yeah, because uh, if you fly uh, faster, there there will be more lift generated, which uh, uh, makes uh, flying easier. Wow. Well, that comes to my last um, two questions. I would like to know two things. Um, The first one is dealing with road regulations and air, you know, regulations at the same time. I'm still trying to imagine a car 
you know, where he's got cars flying overhead, you know, almost like the Jetsons cartoon we had here in the States, you know, and you've got cars on the road. What do you see the future like with with that? And, Stefan, I personally want to know, what do you see for kids in the future? I mean, with this going on, what will life look like for youth in the future? Yeah, I would uh, start uh, maybe a little bit uh, um, with the wider answer because uh, we have uh, we have uh, seen a start of so-called uh, light aircraft industry uh, maybe 15 or 20 years ago when uh, a lot of uh, new airplanes and easy-to-access airplanes uh, came to the market and which motivated a lot of uh, interested people to come uh, to to this uh, segment of aviation, and uh, they started to build planes or uh, or just uh, bought one and uh, using it for the for the leisure, or some some of them just um, uh, commuting. So uh, we see that this segment growth was uh, was uh, uh, really uh, phenomenal uh, over the years. Uh, the pilot population is also growing. Uh, there are more than half a million pilots uh, just in the uh, United States. So um, we see that uh, this industry is uh, growing. And uh, I don't know, but uh, I can't see as many uh, airplanes over my head because, you know, there are uh, flight levels and uh, regulations which uh, do not allow to fly over some areas. And uh, this, this airspace is a very regulated uh, regulated uh, space. So uh, I'm not afraid uh, about, uh, about the future uh, being uh, full of... Uh, flying cars or uh, airplanes, uh, which will be accessible to a lot of us. And um, uh, I have uh, one personal experience uh, from from the airfield where we do a championship uh, for the gliders. And I saw uh, 70 gliders uh, in uh, one kilometer square space, uh, one over another. And uh, it wasn't uh, very, very distracting or uh, something uh, uh, to be afraid. I'm also a very big fan of, uh, uh, very big fan of automating some of uh, those uh, airspace uh, corridors. So uh, the the future might be might be about more crowded sky. But I'm also hoping that uh, 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 experts and professionals who are working on these uh, things and, and subjects, they are, they are doing a very good job and they are doing a lot of work uh, to make it really, really uh, something that we, we can live with. Wow. Well, Stefan... We we so thank you for being on with us and sharing about your son and your experience personally. And um, we know that in another month or so, we or sometime in the future, we will have 
uh, Yaraj on, but it was just such a pleasure to have you on and to share your experiences and to also share with us that Slovakia is one of the top countries, you know, with innovation technology. That, I think, I want to say this to the world, that opens up partnership opportunities, you know, and um, we thank you. Okay, wonderful. Well, thank you very much. Um, um, with that said, um, we just say keep on doing the great work. Oh, and we also just want to let our group know here that um, the uh, Aeromobile and Stefan and uh, Vados and his team, Yuraj Vakulik and Stefan Klein, are up for an award at South by Southwest here in the U.S. And we are uh, Roland who owns South by Southwest, thank you for just noticing these gentlemen and the amazing work that they do. And, Stefan, keep on doing the great job, and especially the great job you're doing with your son. You know, um, he's our future, and that's so important. So thank you again. Thank Thank you very much. Thank you for inviting me. So with that said, we're going to take out and say goodbye to Jay Logan and goodbye to Stefan Rodolfo. And everyone have a great day, and we're going out with Patent Leather's Music Treasure, which is perfect for this moment. We've had two people who shared the treasures of life on Listen, Give Live, and Savoy. Thank you, everyone. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.